The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. All right, so we're looking at Psalm 100, verses 1 to 5. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all of the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, before we begin to unpack this, I want to tell you guys of a story of a moment in my life that some would say could have been traumatic, but I honestly feel like it was very educational. And um, I grew up in a home where my mom was a single mother majority of my life, and watching her each month trying to figure out how to pay our bills and pay for our rent and provide the massive amount of food that was required to keep me alive as a teenager uh, was quite the experience. And for my mom, uh, just doing the, the bare basics was really hard. So when it came to seasons that she wanted to do something a little bit more special, that she wanted to go a little bit more extra around the holiday seasons, it required a lot of work and a lot of planning. And one year, we had faced something very, very tragic in our family, and it was a really hard year for all of us. And my mom, that one year, decided that she was going to do everything possible to make Christmas the most special Christmas ever in our family. And for the children in this room, when my mom did almost six months before Christmas, my mom picked up the phone and called Santa and said, listen up, Santa, this year... I'm going all out for Angel and Crystal, my sister. And she said, Santa, listen, don't even bring gifts to my house, Santa. Don't wrap gifts, Santa. Go ahead and worry about everyone else. This year, I got it, Santa. So she called Santa six months before, basically saying, just keep your sleigh going over our house. And so for six months, my mom began to take on extra shifts at work began to do everything possible to pile up as much money as she could so that she can take the role of Santa that year and purchase all of our gifts. And I remember come August of that year, her coming into my room and saying, you know, Christmas is coming, right? And I'm just thinking, what? It's not even Halloween yet. Like, what are you talking about Christmas is coming? The school year hasn't even started yet. And the excitement, the hype that she began to have, and she started purchasing all these gifts. And around September, she even had to change the lock on her door to make sure that we no longer came into a room because she was being Santa this year. And she went ahead and was starting to pile up this massive amounts of gifts that she was working for. And I remember once peeking in her room and seeing this huge sheet that looked like almost like these mountains just covering all of these gifts and thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening in there? And there was this one gift. It's called the Haunted Highway Racetrack. And it was a weird little gift. And as, as a little boy, I would watch the commercials and it was the coolest thing in the world because it was this little racetrack where these cars would just go in a circle <laughs> and there was a, a guy with an eyeball that rolled from hand to hand and it was just silly. 
And Nickelodeon did a fantastic job of making this gift seem amazing in the commercials. And for years, that was number one on my list. And I would tell Santa, I would even highlight it, and I would even have my mom point arrows towards it, and I would even say, I need this gift. And for three Christmases, I would open every box and be completely deflated to see a pair of socks, some pop, a can of popcorn, who gives that to a child, right? I would see all this silly stuff and never the haunted highway racetrack. And around October, my mom comes into my room one night, opens the door, smiling. She's like, hey, do you still want that haunted highway racetrack? And I was like, yeah. I think something really good's going to happen this year. And she ran out, all silly. And I remember thinking, what, what's happening? And then so fast forward all the way to Christmas when, um, when we're finally there. And, and my mom, because she said to Santa, go over our house don't even come. I got this. My mom spent the entire night wrapping literally over a hundred presents for my sister and myself, just grinding, wrapping these things, putting decorations all over the house. Some of the decorations she even made. Why? I don't even understand. And this woman worked and she grinded and had Christmas music playing. She's dressed in a silly outfit and it was such a big deal for her. And on Christmas morning, I wake up to my door being opened, and to the voice of my mom saying, Papo, it's Christmas. Come see what I've done. <laughs> and so I jump out of the bed, my sister and I, we meet in the hallway. We're killing each other to get past the hallway for whatever reason. We thought whoever gets to the tree first gets a million dollars, right? We're beating each other up to get to this tree. And when we get to this tree, the gifts were insane. Just these mountains of gifts. And we're just like, what's happened here? Oh, my gosh. And I hear my mom saying, it's Christmas. Enjoy. And all of a sudden, this animal inside of my sister and us just took over. Next thing I know, there's wrapping paper all over the place. I'm shredding gifts. It's an insane scene. And the reality was not at one moment did I even make eye contact with my mom. I don't even remember her being there. Like, like, there's barely any memories of what she even looked like while we were there because all it was about was these gifts. And as we would shred these gifts open, we would yell, thank you, Santa. You're the best, Santa. And we would just go crazy because we didn't know that Santa didn't do this. We thought this was Santa. And we're going ballistic. Oh, my gosh, look at this gift. And here's this picture of this moment. This is the one moment that I actually looked at my mom. Oh, look at that boy with that big old ears. Look at those ears. Oof. And so I'm super excited, and you can't see because of quality, but look at all those gifts. And I remember all those gifts were shredded, destroyed, literally just thrown aside. And then my mom stands up, and she says, did you see the one behind the tree? Ooh, we know the one behind the tree. The one behind the tree, that's normally the big one. And I see a box. And I was just like, whoa. It says my name. And I ran up to the gift behind the tree and with one swipe, because by that point I was a professional at trashing the hard work of the wrapping of these gifts. With one swipe, what do you think I see? Haunted Highway Racetrack. And I begin to go insane. 
insane as this child and I drop to my knees just like this and I look at my sister and I'm like, Santa loves us so much. Look at all that Santa has done for us. Look how he loves us and he appreciates us. Look at this. And as I'm crying as a child, as I'm going ballistic, my mom comes out of the shadows and she said what every parent wished they would say. She stepped up, and at this point, she was at a boiling point, thinking of how she has killed herself for six months to provide this experience, telling Santa, you don't, don't come here, Santa. Go to the other houses. My mom stood up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Her Cuban came out, and she said, hey, listen, Santa was busy with all the other houses. This one right here was grinding for six months. <laughs> Santa didn't work extra hours. Mommy did. And we're like, what? Is this the moment I'll never forget for the rest of my life? <laughs> and then she proceeded to tell us a very mature conversation, which should not be had from the stage, uh, about why we should be so grateful towards her. <laughs> and the reality of it was, and as you hear that story, you would think, oh my gosh, what a monster, right? <laughs> like, what is that? Or some of you are like, I wish my spouse would let me do that, right? Whatever you stand with that story, there is, a, there is something that was very valid in the feelings that my mom had. My mom had grinded. My mom had worked. My mom had done so much to create this experience. And she watched the praise go to something other than her. At that moment, what was caused in my mother was that she was feeling what God is constantly feeling with us. That God is constantly putting the gifts before us. God is constantly doing the amazing work right before us. God is constantly the one who's providing, and yet we say, oh, oh, thank you, something else. <laughs> Instead of turning our praise to the one who's done the work. And in this psalm, what we're looking at today is, is we're going to get a, a good insight to what it was that, what it is that God has done for us. And we're going to unpack two different things that we falsely praise. So I want us to look back down at the psalm. And we're going to be breaking down. We're going to really walk our way through this. So look back down at it. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He is the one who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Let's stop right there. You know, first thing we see in this passage, in the first verse, there's this, there's this kind of like this posture of God, this inclusiveness that God has where he calls for all of the earth to bring their praise to him. All races, all genders, all struggles, come and bring your praises to the Lord. And God's not calling just a specific people group. God is calling the entirety of the world. God is the mastermind of diversity. He is the, the creator of it and the most appreciative of it. And it's remarkable when you see how God is so accepting of the praise of all people. But if you were to leave this verse all alone, it's not that impressive. 
Because it's almost equivalent to someone in government saying, I'll take taxes from everybody. Right? I'll take taxes from the poor. I don't care what race you are. I'll take your taxes. But then when you look at the next verse, it becomes a little bit more beautiful. See, because not only is he saying, bring me your praises, not only is he saying, hey, I'll take praise from all of the earth, he is saying, bring your presence. I want you. I want you to be near me. I'm calling for all of the earth to come near me. I'm calling the uneducated to come near into my presence. I'm calling the educated to come near into my presence. The rich, the poor, the misfit, the person who thinks they're not a misfit, everyone come before me. I want you near. I want you here because I love you, because I'm good, because I'm compassionate. Bring your praising, bring your singing, even if you sound like Pastor Angel. Bring it here. So inclusive. So beautiful. He is speaking to those who struggle. He is speaking to those who think they don't. He is speaking to all of us, saying, come near. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, this is such an incredible God that we get to look towards and get to experience one who looks beyond our struggles, one who even sees us, sees our struggles, understands who we are, understands our failures, and yet says, come into my presence. I still welcome you. You're okay here. And then... The psalmist, in verse 3, starts to help us understand why we should bring our praises to God. Why he is deserving of our worship. Why he is the one that when the gifts are unwrapped, we should look towards him and say, thank you. I praise you. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, we live in this culture which we've done such a fantastic job of worshiping luck. Luck literally is one of the main things worshiped in our culture. This concept of things happen just by chance. And it's so big in our culture and in our generation that we have even, we've said, listen, all of creation all that is beautiful, everything around us is one equation. Luck plus everything. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Luck plus nothing equals everything. And we even teach our children in science classes that everything is a result of luck and chance. And we have obsessed over this concept of luck. And we fall into this hole where we believe Verse 3 is a lie. God has made us. And the reality is that we start to see that luck really didn't play much of a role with the existence of everything around us. And we start to see this as we begin to unpack and look down into the details of the creation around us, look down into the details of even our bodies, look down into the details of the world around us. And I know that this, for some this is a hot issue, but I am not talking about how long did it take? I am not talking about how it happened. I'm talking about who turned the switch on. 
who masterminded all of creation, who masterminded the body, who thought this through. When you look at the details, it's so hard to be like, man, this is all because of luck. Man, we got lucky. Really? This hit me a few years ago. I was at the uh, library at a story time with my son. And, you know, like, like all of us dads, we're all guilty of really zoning out during those moments, right? When someone else is doing something for a kid, we just kind of, right? And I started to wander off, and I was walking through the kid's area in the library, and I had pulled this book out about woodpeckers. And I'm sitting in the, in the, in the library, and I began to read the book about woodpeckers, and it's so silly. And the, the book actually even brought me to tears, which I'm sure that's more ridiculous to think of this tattooed, bearded man crying over a book of woodpeckers. Yeah. And so I'm looking through this book of woodpeckers, and it starts breaking down all these cool, like, scientific facts about it. And did you know that the woodpecker actually bangs his head 20 times per second against a tree? How incredible is that? Literally jams himself against this tree and literally creates a little hole and has a tongue that is a little bit over four inches long. And with that little tongue that's filled with muscles, he weaves or her weaves into that little hole and pulls out whatever food or mold or whatever it's trying to get in there and literally goes ahead and pulls in and eats it. And then you ask the question, how is that thing not dead? The other day my son threw a toy at me and that thing hit me right here. I have a little mark and I lost myself and laid on the ground for 10 minutes and lost all credibility in my home. Imagine banging your head against a tree 20 times per second. How does the woodpecker make it? How has it made it? Is it luck or is it design? See, because here's the amazing thing that this book started to kind of like unpack. And and this is what kind of drew me to this point. I was like, wow. See, because the tongue of the woodpecker being over four inches long, when that tongue comes back into its mouth or beak, when it comes back into it, it doesn't just pile up in its stomach like you would think. The tongue literally comes back in and wraps itself around the brain of the woodpecker, creating a cushion helmet to keep it from having a concussion. Is that because of luck? (laughs) Look at this picture. I drew it last night. (laughs) And so as the woodpecker bangs his head against the tree, his brain is cushioned by its massive tongue. How did the first woodpecker do this? How did he say, like, yo, hey, Tito, my head hurts. Like, yo, I'm done with this. Like, man, my everything, like, I can't see straight. Let's start eating stuff off the ground, man. And Tito's like, no, 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 you haven't done this. Let me tell you. See that big tongue? Wrap it around your brain. I got you. Luck? Really? But when you begin to unpack the details of life, when you begin to look into creation and look under the hood and see how this thing works, and this is just a child's book knowledge about a woodpecker. We haven't even started looking, talking about the body. The fact that in my stomach right now, there's an acid so strong that if it's dropped on metals, it can burn a hole through metals, and yet it's just chilling in my stomach, eating some cookies. And in my stomach, there is a lining of mucus that's causing that acid to not burn a hole through my stomach. Luck? Really? The fact that the skeletal system regenerates itself every 10 years? Luck? 
the fact that the human brain generates enough electricity that we can light a light bulb with it, luck, that your human eye can identify almost 10 million different colors, luck. Really think this through. The fact that I'm here communicating and your minds are grabbing my words and processing them and forever remembering what this sermon is because I put so much time into it, luck you know and I, I i find myself a lot of times you know i find myself so many times saying man if only i could see the things that the people in the bible saw oh if only i stood there when moses went boom split that sea and millions of people will walk across the sea if only i was one of the people wow walking this is amazing right Oh, if only I was the guy who picked up that ear that was cut off that man's head and handed it to Jesus and he put it back on his head, then I'll forever believe. Man, if only I was there when Jesus took a few pieces of bread and fish, some kid's lunchable, and fed 5,000 people with it. Oh, if I was there when Jesus was walking on water, I would forever believe if I saw that. And then we... We say that, I say that, forgetting the fact that our generation, our culture, is the most educated people group in the history of the entire planet. God in his goodness has allowed for us to see an atom, this tiny little organism, And God in his goodness has allowed for that atom to be split open and has allowed for us to then see inside of this this whole other world of stuff. God in his goodness has allowed for us to unwrap the incredible gift of knowing what Mars looks like. Has allowed for us to just from the couch of our home watch on Netflix a show, Planet Earth, that drops a camera almost seven miles under the surface of water and finds fish that have never seen light with a light on top of their head. Are you kidding me? How did that fish do that? It's never seen light. Luck. And we've opened this gift in our culture and we say, oh, thank you, luck. Luck, you are the bomb luck if it wasn't for you and it's so easy to do that when it comes to to like be against it when we see it as people talk about science as we see people talk about creation and I know those examples I gave are just elementary tiny little examples and they go so much deeper and some of you in the medical field you have spent your life studying and seeing the details of God some of you who work with animals you have seen them and you know far more than I would ever know but we also do this with our life. You see, when statements like, man, I just need more luck. Man, I just need some good luck. Man, tell me to break a leg, please, because I just need something. Those little statements unveil something that's happening in our hearts. See, because even with the moments in our life, these milestone experiences, we have the audacity at times to unwrap the gift that God lets us experience and we have the audacity to say, thank you, luck. I'm just lucky. Now, I'll give an example of this. A few years ago, in Fort Lauderdale Airport, there was a, there was a shooting. 
and we all, we all might remember this. It was about maybe two or three years ago. And there was a shooting over in the baggage claim section. And I remember watching on CNN, and there was this, the guy, this guy was being interviewed who survived this thing. And they're sharing the guy's story. And here's what happened in the story. The guy had a book bag on. And in his book bag, he had a laptop. And the book bag had a little zipper, a little part of the zipper that was open. And he sees the shooter. He says, no, not today. And he jumps. And he jumps behind this thing so he doesn't get shot. And while in midair, he gets shot. But the bullet came, went inside of his book bag. And it hit his laptop. The corner of the laptop, the most strongest point of the laptop, and destroyed the laptop, but he was spared. And I remember watching on CNN and watching the story, because it was all over the place. You couldn't watch TV. You just had to watch this. And I remember watching the story when the guy is talking about it. The newscaster says, oh, you are so lucky to be alive. You know what you should do? You should write a thank you card to the manufacturers of that laptop for using the good metal to keep you alive, and that your life is a result of that good metal. And he's like, yeah, I'm so lucky. And he's on the camera freaking out. He's just like, I'm, just, I'm so lucky. Luck? Luck saved your life? Luck spared you? No, 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 no. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. And we are his people and the sheep of his pastures. See, the, when we look at the moments of our lives, these milestone, massive moments, and when we open these gifts and say, thank you so much, luck, God stands and says, wait, wait, hold up. I packaged this. I did this. You are mine. We do this all the time with our kids. We say, oh, I just got lucky with a good kid. We do this all the time with our spouse. Oh, I just got lucky. But not only do we praise luck with those milestone moments, a lot of times we try and find some way to praise ourselves. To a title, these milestone moments, these saving moments, these whatever it is, these huge moments in our life, we try and take God out of the equation and we try and say, oh, it was me. It was me doing a good job. That's why I didn't get a lump of coal. <laughs> it was me being awesome. I'm just so awesome. It was because I have such good game and so, such good style. That's why I got my wife, right? Which you know is a lie. <laughs> like we go ahead and we begin to seek the praising of ourselves. We say things like, man, the reason why I'm so financially well is because I've been so intelligent financially, forgetting that God has given us the wisdom for how to handle finances. When we look at our home, we walk into our home believing this is a result of how my labor and everything, forgetting that God has given you the breath to labor. It's always amazing when I hear people share stories of how they have their home, how they have their job, how they met their spouse. When I hear them say the stories, because you just see God, God, God all over there. Then when you hear, oh, I was just, just because I, you know, good things happen to those who do good. Really? Deep down in all of us, we long to be able to praise ourselves. But what this passage tells us, see, this passage tells us we are welcomed by God. This passage tells us we are loved by God. This passage tells us we are valued by God. This passage says that God welcomes us in spite of who we are. He welcomes us. He calls us to himself. This passage reveals that he has made us that he has created us, that he has formed who we are in the womb, and he has planned out our lives. 
But what this passage also tells us is one thing that should comfort us, but actually it bothers us. This passage in verse 3 tells us we belong to him. That God owns us. And the reason why that bothers us sometimes, the reason why that kind of irks us is because we so desperately long the praise for the good things that happen in our lives. We so desperately long to be the ones that everybody was, good job. And so we go ahead and push out God from the equation when the good happens. We remove him because we need to make sure we get that praise. But it's funny and it's very interesting because we have that desire for control. We have that desire in us to not be owned, to not be his people when things are good. But when things get ugly, right, when the doctor doesn't do a good job, when life doesn't pan out the way we thought it would, when suffering comes, then at that point it's like we open the gift and say, wait, 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 who got this for me? <laughs> and now everything kind of flips where we go from, yeah, I'm in control to, wait, wait, I thought you were in control. You might not be real now. And it's so interesting because verse 4 and 5 still happen. Verse 4 and 5 are still true in spite of our foolish, foolish false praise towards luck and false praise towards ourselves. Look back down at verse 4 and 5. I'll start at 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Look at this. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and faithfulness to all generations. See, what this is helping us understand that because there's a reality that not only do we a title false praise when we look at creation, not only do we title false praise when we look at our lives, but we also a title false praise when we look at even the very salvation that we have with Christ. That when we look at what we have and the favor that we've been given by God and the love that God has put down on us, we run the danger of being able to say, oh, it's because I was born in the right family. I just got lucky. Oh, I found this church because oh, I just saw the sign and I got lucky. And we have this audacity to remove God from the equation and we say, it's because I give money that God loves me. Oh, it's because I stopped cursing a year ago. Oh, it's because I don't act like those people. That's why God loves me. And foolishly, what we do at that moment, we completely detach God from the equation and we open this gift of even his favor and even his goodness and even forgiveness. And we open this gift and say, it's because of me. Thank you, me. But the reality is, that would just be showing how petty and small and insignificant the love of God is. That it can be earned by luck. Because he really doesn't love you, so it had to be something even out of his control with chance. Or it's so small and so insignificant that it can be earned with our tiny little gifts we would not be talking about god of all the creation we would not be talking about the one who has seen everything who has known everyone who is fully aware of every aspect of all of life and creation and history and when he looks at us he's like oh you prayed for your dinner boom you get favor 
We don't get his favor because of our luck. We don't get his favor because of our efforts. We get his favor because of Jesus. He is the only reason why. Verse 5 unveils that his love endures forever to all generations. His love is so massive that he would love us so much that he would send his son Jesus to create a way for us to experience relationship and favor with God. That Jesus will do the ultimate work to unveil for us what life should look like connected to God. That Jesus will go to the cross and take on the punishment that I deserve, that you deserve for our sin so that we can forever say, I'm welcomed by God. I am loved by God. I am favored. I am forgiven. I belong to God because of Jesus. I am one of the sheep of his pastures because of Jesus, not because of luck or myself. If you couldn't tell from all my yelling, I'm Cuban and my hairy forearms. And um, one of the things that we do as Cubans, uh, we have this silly tradition every New Year's Eve. And I, I can say it's silly because I grew up with it. Where we would get these grapes. My grandma always comes to me with a Ziploc bag with grapes. And I know she didn't wash her hands when she put them in there. And I, they always had this nasty taste. And for whatever reason, my grandma, she believed that we had to get the grapes with the seeds in them. And we would get these fat, ugly grapes with this seed that tastes like a cup of dirt. And I remember her always saying, hey, listen, we need good luck in this house. Everyone's going to eat all of these grapes tonight. And we're going to be rich by the end of the year. Each grape is going to resemble a different thing of good luck that we want. And there was always a grape for the lottery. There was always a grape for health. And I remember always thinking, man, I just, I, I failed this class. I should have eaten that grape, right? And there's all these silly things that we have in our culture and in other cultures. And there's even one, I've just heard so many of them this week, where there's, there's one people group, what they do is on New Year's, once the clock turns uh, 12, everyone gathers as much luggage as they can, and they walk around their neighborhood with empty luggage, hoping to be able to have the good luck of safe travels. My abuela, every year, for whatever reason, throws out a bucket of water to remove all evil from the upcoming year. We have all these silly things. People are kissing each other to try and get luck. There's all this ridiculousness happening for the cause of luck, and here's what I'd rather you do, and here's the challenge I want to leave you with. Don't make this New Year's Eve about trying to do something to get luck. Don't make this New Year's Eve about trying to obtain some kind of last luck that might be in the air. We don't need good luck. We have a good God. We can look at even the bad that takes place. We get the opportunity to look at that and say, this is coming from a good God, so there must be something good in this for me. So on your chair, everybody go ahead and hold this thing up, wave in the air, like you just don't care. And... What you see before you is my challenge to you in the next few days. Today is December 30th. We have today and tomorrow left in 2018. Instead of trying to figure out ways to obtain luck, my challenge to you is take this and write down 12 different ways, 12 different presents that God has put before you. 12 different things that you must praise him for, that you must acknowledge him for, that you must celebrate him for. And I know this seems silly, and I know this seems goofy, but instead of fighting for luck, let's fight to praise.
Because we are people. We have been made by him. The Lord, he is God. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pastures. And he has provided for us. Let's not be so foolish to unwrap these gifts and say, oh, thank you, luck. Oh, thank you, myself. Let's take time this week to reflect and enjoy who God is. For those of you who don't know Jesus, and you hear me talk about Christ, and you hear me share all this stuff about Jesus, and, and you're thinking to yourself, man, this sounds so weird, but yet sounds so right at the same time. I want to let you know that his love for you is massive. And him bringing you here today is a result of him deeply caring for you. And what God is seeking to do today with those of you who don't know Christ, he is seeking for today to be one of those moments on your timeline. One of those moments that gets stapled on there as the moment in your life that you turned your life over to Christ. So what I want you to do is when we have this time of worship, when we have this last song, if you are somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I want for you to take that time and just close your eyes and ask Jesus to make himself known to you. Ask him to reveal himself Ask him to give you reason to follow him. It's a scary prayer, but it's a prayer that changed my life. Let me go ahead and close this in prayer. God, thank you so much for the way that you love us. Thank you for the way that we can look towards you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, for the homes that you've given some of us that we can sit on our couch and be reminded all around us of how you are involved. Thank you for the way that we can look at our bodies, the creation that you allow us to live in. We can look at all of this and find reason to praise you and see your goodness and see who you are. God, I thank you so much for the way that you have revealed yourself to us. The tremendous honor that we can live our lives knowing, God, knowing you knowing that you've made us because you love us, knowing that you welcome us because you love us, knowing that you're with us because you love us. I thank you that this is not just a seasonal time with you where you come around just around Christmas, but no, you are a God who is always with us, always around, writing our story. Lord, I pray that our church will take this challenge of making time to reflect on what you have done and how you've provided Lord, that we would not be people hoping for good luck, but people who look to a good God, believing in you, trusting in you, and trusting your love for us. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321. Or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.